Hey everyone and welcome to Almost Cancelled, I am Peter, that is Connor, and we are going to talk about Carnival Row, Season 1, Episode 1, it's called Some Dark God Wakes, and this is uh, Amazon Prime's new original show, starring Orlando Bloom and Cara Delevingne, if I'm saying her name correctly, which I think I am. Um, Annoyingly, I think you are. I, th- I think I think I'm, I think it's right. Uh, so this is their new fantasy show. This is a first episode, so we will start spoiler free. We'll give you our sort of general thoughts and impressions, and then we'll give you a warning before we go into spoilers uh, in the middle of the review. So um, yeah, so this is a high fantasy show. It is based on a book series. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I don't actually Probably. know that for sure off the top of my head, but it, I'm pretty. I'm going to take a wild stab and say it's based on a book. They usually are. Yeah, um, and. The, the the opening starts with a lot of exposition. There's a bit of voiceover or in text, just kind of. Yeah, no, there isn't a voiceover. Is it? It's just text. It was just. Uh, well, this is the thing. I watched this in Dark Crystal back to back, and well, Dark Crystal yeah, had no, voiceover. That, right? that that was a comparison I wanted to make at some point. Um, and they have honestly, they start with very similar premises. So if I'm if I mix up any conceptual things, you know, forgive me, but. Um, because they both feature uh, lands of mystical creatures and then another party comes in, in this case by Carnival Row, the human beings come in and take over the, the magical land. Uh, but there's two factions of humans. There's the Berg, who are kind of the the better ones, we'll say, because uh, they're not exactly peachy either. And then there's the evil ones who just want to dominate everything they're called the Pact. The Pact won, though, the Berg retreated, and now, because of that, a lot of the uh, the magical creatures, the pixies and the other races, uh, a lot of them have fled to the Berg's homeland and are essentially refugees. And there's a lot of uh, allegories in here, a lot of uh, direct sort of racism and refugee kind of storylines going on, uh, yeah. the way they're treated. There's a lot of really direct uh, sort of in-your-face dialogue uh, about it. It just kind of feels like a lot of things you'll have heard before, but just in this case, it's about pixies and the other races. There's like a horned race that I didn't quite catch the name of. Um, so that's the general gist of it. The main characters, um, Orlando Bloom's character, uh, what was his name again? Philo. I've forgotten. Yeah, Rycroft Ph- Philo Strait is his full name. Um, he... Uh, is one of the Berg, he was in the army, and he had a romance with Vignette, which is the most stupid name I have ever heard for a character. Uh, that's Kara's character. Uh, and she's a pixie, so it was kind of a, not forbidden thing, but not necess- you know, not normal, kind of looked down upon uh, having a romance with a character like that. And she thinks he's dead from the war, and finds out in the course of this episode that he is, in fact, not dead. He is a detective in Colonel Varro, which is the, the rough patch of the city. And he is investigating a, a series of beatings. Uh, a human is beating up uh, pixies with with a hammer uh, once every three weeks, and it's, it's a kind of a. It's, it obviously, he's not killing them, so I wouldn't say it's quite Jack the Ripper. But the name they give him is kind of very Jack the Ripper esque. Um, that's just because his name's Jack that they call him, isn't it? Yeah, but I feel that's what they're yeah. going for, especially with the, the the time period aesthetics that they've got going. Oh, oh, oh definitely, and and you know, it's Orlando is. is not quite Sherlock is is what I'm gonna you know kind of put it. Yeah, it's yeah. Very intentionally, kind of that feeling. Um, yeah, the, the Berg is very clearly England, uh, and you know, complete with accents and. Oh yeah, every everyone's you know, got an English accent. Um, and the I don't know if all the Pixies had, but at least at least Cara De- Delavine was was rocking an Irish accent. I don't know if they all yeah, had though. Um, yeah, they were uh, very intentionally because the 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 Pixie land where they come from is called Tin and Knock. Uh, 
which uh, in, in Irish mythology, they're kind of the other world where their gods are, you know, their, their Asgard is called Tin and Og. Uh, so it's very clearly just, okay, mm. that's a stand-in for Ireland. And there's a lot of that in, the, in this episode. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not really, I don't know much about that history. So I was just kind of reading it as a typical fantasy tropes more than anything else. It, it's, it, it still is, but it's just yeah. got a bit more specificity to it. Um, because, I mean, because when we got into the racist stuff, um, there were all the racism that was coming from the, the cops and the, the locals and the, the, the humans, um, I wasn't necessarily thinking of England and Ireland. I was just thinking of more general broad strokes. Oh, it, it definitely works in broad strokes terms, but I think there are some specific things that do tie it to, to England and Ireland. Uh, that's fair. Um, so I guess I'll ask you then, what did you think of this first episode? I would say I despise at least half of it. <laughs> and the other half is tolerable. Uh, okay, it's very enthusiastic. Um, I mean, I wasn't expecting to like this because I'm not a fantasy person. Uh, so obviously I love getting this in Dark Crystal on the same day. The best day of my week. Uh, so I'm not a big fantasy person, but there was some morbid curiosity to see what they do. And annoyingly, there's one scene I quite like. There's one There's one element. One, one scene. There's one scene that introduces something. I'm like, oh, this is actually the the the, the, the most interesting thing about this episode. They could have is it done the final scene. It's the final scene <laughs> because yeah. it introduced a whole new element. I'm like, you know what? I actually kind of like the idea of this part of it, but I, I could do without all the pixies and shit and all that crap. See, and... that doesn't bother. I mean, that is the half I dislike, mm-hmm. but not because of the the fantasy elements. Because sure. you know, I, unlike you, I am a fantasy guy. I, quite like some fantasy and you know hey big high profile fantasy show sure sign me up uh you know if you go back to any of the the times where this was announced and you know we talk about on the news videos uh, that was pretty excited in concept um but yeah kara is a pretty terrible actress and i kind of hate every scene she's in uh delavine that is yeah um it's just weird to call an actor with their first name i don't know it sounds odd it is but Um, i forgot a second name for a second uh, just call her eyebrows. That's, that's what I remember. Um, yeah, she's got those big eyebrows. Um, she really does. Yeah, I don't like her as an actress either. I don't even like Alando Bloom that much either. So I don't like either lead actor, and I don't like fantasy. So coming out of this, it was a very, very tough sell that I was going to be into this. Yeah, Orlando Bloom, I don't love him, but I don't have strong feelings against him. He's, some, he's sometimes okay. Um He's a he's a tangential Luke Evans and Luke Evans I don't particularly like that much either. Um, <laughs> I like him more than Luke Evans. Um, although it's weird hearing him do you know, his voice, the accent. He basically just sounds like Danny Dyer, mm. and that was uh, giving me a chuckle every so often. Yeah, I. It's funny because obviously it's a very big budget show. They've put a lot of money into this, and it's shot two, three, five to one. Which yeah, I do like the more shows are doing that now. It's just a normal thing at this point, but. I will say, if I was to describe how it looks in the, the in terms of the production values, I would get I would say that you know it's very it's very big budget and the effects are very good for a TV show. I would probably describe it as a, a, a movie level effects, but from like mid to late two thousands. Like that's how I would I would place it in terms of how it looks effects that's wise. Fair. Um, and and again, as a TV show, we don't hold that against it too much because for a TV show, for a for a TV show, that's actually fairly impressive that it's it's up to that level of uh, yeah. you know effects. No, I, I, I'm not saying that I didn't notice CG like looking elements because I did. Um, yeah, definitely. But like, it looked pretty good. 
Not not amazing, but pretty good. Yeah, for a TV show, it looked pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the the, the episode kind of you know boils down to a couple of plots. Um, it was hard, and when I say you know the the, the racist stuff like, went into more broad aspects, the uh, you know when when Delavine gets to the mainland, you know she she becomes her main plot is that she becomes a a house servant for this rich family. Um, now maybe that happened with Irish people in England, and I just don't know about it. But that made me definitely made me think me more think of white and black people in America, yeah, yeah. Uh, and slaves. Uh, it made me think of that way more than did anything else. Um, but so you, you've got that. Yeah, uh, you've got uh, the investigation from from Bloom where he's looking for uh, this this you know violent uh, suspect, and he's like investigating that. And that's mostly your yeah your main two plots. There is a couple of other things kind of like Jared Harris is in there. There's only one scene with him really. Um, yeah, yeah, in Parliament. Yeah, and it sets up his son, uh, who's also going to be a character that's that's around. Uh, there's another uh, pixie who works at the prost- who works at the brothel. Sorry, works at the prostitute. Works at the brothel. Um, who we kind of meet. Who it turns out ends up knowing uh, Delavine's character from the past. So there's like yep. all these things that set up. So the episode has a lot of setup. There's not a whole lot of like complete plot in this one, uh, as opposed to just Which, really setting up the characters. Well, that, that's the thing. I will give credit to the the Orlando Bloom plot in that it does have a complete arc, uh, to some extent, uh, more, more than the others do. I would say. That's fair. That's fair. I think so. I mean, I don't really like this show. And I'm not really into it just because of my taste, first and foremost. But obviously, I'm not going to hold that against the show itself. If I'm going to actually critique the the show and what it does in this pilot, I don't think it rushes anything too much, which is nice. But I do have to critique some of the big choices. Uh, the big one being, and again, this is not a spoiler. This is all in the trailer. This idea that uh, Delavine thinks Bloom is dead, and then when she gets to the mainland, she finds out he's alive. The actual moment she finds out is such a nothing moment that is not utilized in any dramatic way. It is just she hears about it at a very nonchalant kind of moment that's not, you know, like this could be the, the end of episode cliffhanger. This could be like, you know, she, she runs into him and it's at this big shocking moment and it's not. It's just nothing. In a conversation. It's just yeah. a ca- casually in a conversation. Um, which doesn't mean anything to us yet because we've never seen them together. You know, we know we 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 know from like her having a photograph that, that they were a thing, and that's it. We, that's we, all, yeah. Um, so the, the moment plays is nothing, and given that they're meant to be our two leads, it really un- underscores the the entire build to to their first interaction, which I also feels kind of you know just nothing uh, mm. by the time it happens. Um, and yeah, uh, I'm not a fan of her as an actress, so none of her stuff really played that well for me. Um, in general, as it was, she just—I think it's her delivery. Like it's—it's it's always just flat. Mm. Uh, because the the other uh, pixie uh, lady, Fife, her name was like I actually thought she had way more charisma. She she was way oh, way, way more likable uh, from the second she was on screen. Uh, and Delavine, just I don't know. She's she 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 reminds me a lot of um. Uh, of uh, the 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 worst of the two Mara sisters, who basically I feel it is always very one note and mopey, and you know d- doesn't know how to, I don't know, have any charm. I guess. Um, it's, it's lack of charisma, isn't la- it? Lack of charisma. There's just there's very little to find in her that's that's likable. Um, and not that not that she's in a plot that she should be in a happy mood or anything like. She's in a really depressing plot where she you know, she <laughs> she tries to save but, people. It doesn't work. She ends up being a slave. Even when she's reunited with a friend that she hasn't seen in years, 
Yeah. And, and you know, that's, that is unequivocally a happy moment. I don't really get much from her. Yeah. Um, so I, I think even if I liked a lot of other things about the show, I think the, the two lead actors would take me out of it. Uh, as it is, I'm not really into most of the show anyway. Um, mm. I'm not into, you know, like the, the person she, she serves, uh, the, the, the rich sister and brother. The sister specifically, she, she's kind of her personal maid, but um, yeah. it's like this rich brother and sister who live together. Um, you know, she, and I wasn't interested in her plot. I wasn't interested in her looking for a husband because she's turning 23 and doesn't have any suitors. You know, the horror. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then being incredibly racist. And being incredibly racist. Um, but I mean, at least that, like, that, that's like just like par for the course with her character. That's I mean, kind of the, it is. It's the, consistent. It's yeah. the point for her character is that she, she is this person. But It is, yeah. I didn't find her plot all that interesting uh, is the big problem because it, it felt like it was playing through you know there's like one element of her plot that's kind of on its own uh, with the new neighbor we won't, I won't get into it because I think that is a spoiler to see where it goes but um, it just feels like it's playing through the natural beats that it would be no, nothing really surprising happens nothing really like they made me go oh that's what they're going to do with this character this, this yeah plot. No, that, that's the thing with this plot where you know you know, say oh, you know, oh she's really racist and you're like, oh yeah, no, that's fine. That's the point of a character. That's all that the plot kind of is ultimately. Everything, every scene with her kind of boils down to that. Yeah, well, no, I mean that's why it's not interesting. Like, I, I think yeah. it's fine that her character is this way because that's the point of her character. But the problem is, is that her story in this episode never gives us a hint that there's anything more to her than just it, being yeah, it's that. It's got to have more going on than that. Um, so that's kind of rough. Uh, like I say, the one final scene did kind of introduce an element which. I did not know was going to be in the show, and I, I like the idea of a show about that specifically, but I, I could happily remove a lot of what the, the rest of it is and just have it be that <laughs> that it's about. Um, everything else I could happily get get rid of. Um, it's, it's funny, actually, because a lot of the, the dialogue was making me think of, like, uh, when, when they're walking through the streets and random people are just being racist and heckling the pixies and stuff, it just it reminded me of like a lot of video games and just like the NPCs shouting things at you as you're walking past them. Um, that's what it felt like. That's what it felt like. It really wants to be Witcher Three, and it's it's not it's just not Witcher Three. It, it's nowhere near that. No. <laughs> but it really wants to be. That's that's the feeling they're going for as you're going through Carnival Row. Um, yeah. Because yeah, uh, there's a scene early on when they introduce Orlando Bloom. Uh, they introduce them when uh, there's a couple of cops being really racist to this uh, this little vendor who's selling meat um, uh, to his, uh, the horn uh, race, and they're, they're they're being awful and they're, they're going to get her to like leave and not sell anything. They're going to say, "Oh, you did a license for this, but you, you know you can you can buy one from us." They're basically just you know extorting money out of her. Yeah, it's and a Orlando Bloom walks in and you know plays the hero, and it's maybe the scene that tells us that he's the good guy, that he's someone we can root for. And it's just a really unimpressive like interaction where yeah he does kind of save the day but it's a very just nothing scene like you know he doesn't do anything impressive in it. Um, I, I felt very Not underwhelmed really. by it. No, I, and do you know what is a, is a real problem in his second scene. Mm -hmm. Um, ultimately, kind of just plays the same beat where you know he goes to visit one of the the victims of of the attacks to try and get information, and. It ultimately boils down to, "Hey, you're a good guy." Yeah. Not like not like everyone else. And I'm like, "Well, well, one of these scenes is redundant. Probably the first one because this one had other plot information that we needed, but also the other one at least tried to show it instead of just having characters tell us it like four different times." 
Yeah, and that's another problem with the the backstory in this is that it kind of is all exposition. And mm. obviously that's true of a lot of backstories, but because this is like this mythical world, and one of the things that I don't like about fantasy is that everything's got its own goddamn name. We we, we can't use any locations. We can't like all, all these types of people have their own like races and names. Uh, where they come from has its own name. You know, throughout the episode there was little like cards coming up saying this is where they are and things like that, and I'm like. This is all just made up, and I I love it. And a lot of things, like I you know I love the DC universe. I love it all having its own cities. But here's the thing: when it comes to that stuff like that, is typically you just start watching Batman or reading Batman, and you learn about Gotham City. It's one place, and you get that ingrained in your skull before you eventually try a different character and you learn about some other city. Right? I, I will say this feels like a weird complaint to specify. Oh, we're fancy when you, you're you're quite a big sci-fi guy. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of, you know, especially, you know, space-related sci-fi where it will do this exact same thing, just cut in between planets. It's true. Here's the thing, though, and this this might sound like a really petty thing to say. It's going to. Sci-fi tends to do a lot better at picking names that aren't stupid and harder to remember. I struggle with fantasy names because they're all goddamn stupid. I think this is just a case of what you're used to. Because as, as, as a... Yeah, so someone who grew up reading a lot more fantasy than I ever, you know, even than even mm. watching sci-fi with experience. Most fantasy names aren't a problem. For so, me. so much of this is gobbledygook, and I think part of the problem is just introducing too much of it too quick, uh, to yeah. an extent. So I, I say I wanted to you know, talk about the compa- a little bit of comparison with uh, Dark Crystal, given that it's another big fantasy show on a, a rival service. That Don't reveal how you day. feel about it though, because this is going up first. <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, well, I'll reveal how I feel about the the very opening. Okay. Uh, we talk about you know the the opening text, and this this is worse than Dark Crystal because this is just here's some text, read it, and there's just nothing in the background, not really. A couple of statues, I think, is what what this shows over it. Yeah. yeah. And I check the time; it goes on for I think ninety seconds of this, just reading text with nothing happening. Uh, Dark Crystal, by comparison. Is you know okay? It has a narrator. It's like someone reading it. There's animation happening in the background. It's inherently just more interesting. Even if it goes, you know, I don't know how long that one goes on. Maybe a minute. Maybe about maybe about the same. Yeah. But there are yeah. visual cues. There's audio. It's more interesting than just sitting and reading for the first ninety seconds. Of I'll, I'll give you most of that. I, I will say though that to play devil's advocate here, Dark Crystal has the advantage where it doesn't really matter what they show because all of it's puppetry and animation. Like so, they can they can just do anything anytime. <laughs> Sure. If that makes sure. I guess what I'm saying here is the idea is that they're, they're talking about these big impressive battles, but it's like, oh, we don't have the budget to quite do that, so we're just going to tell you about it. <laughs> I get that, but even if you just show me, like, it rather because it's just like two or three statues that it changes between. Honestly, I, 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 I'm going to complain about both here and say I think they both hit you with too much exposition at the start. That's fair. That's fair. I'm saying one is better than the other. I'm not saying either of them are good. I, 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 I think here. I, I really wish, like, I, I think I would get into more fantasy if they dished out the exposition and, because see if this episode just focused on one character, made a compelling story with that one character so that I get really into them and get invested, and then next episode introduce the other, one of the other elements, and just sort of do it gradually. I think fantasy is so obsessed with exploring too much too quick that they have to introduce, like, so much of the world do, right do away. Do you know I would say is quite funny about mm. most fantasy, not all, is, uh, you can take away that opening narrative, you know, just cut it completely, and it would, pro- and you would probably pick up most of it throughout the episode anyway, because they know 
you know, they know for a fact you're not going to remember all of this information because it's just a big info dump, which is meaningless anyway. Yeah, but that annoys me at the moment. I, I hate when I get to the end of that narration and I'm like, I'm not going to remember all this. No, I know, I know. It I'm not me. defending it as a practice. I'm saying nine times out of ten, you can cut it and it won't matter. The only times it usually adds anything are on a rewatch or you know, a reread or whatever it is where you've, you actually have context for this now and it makes sense to you. That first time around, you can usually just ignore it and you will still pick up everything you need to know in the episode when it's well written. Because I, I would, like I say, I, I would have just taken, say, Bloom's character, made the, the first episode about the investigation, just focus on that, and, you know, we could just get a hint that there was a war at some point and get a hint that there's like other place, you know, this other place that these, these well, characters well, are coming this from. this is what I'm saying. You'd have got uh, all the stuff about the war you'd have got in the Parliament scene, right? With, uh, with uh, Jared Harris. No, but I still think it would be too much in the episode. I, I think it's too much to introduce in the episode. Okay, fair enough. That's, um, I mean, I'm not arguing with that. Because I, I think you you take in the information better when you're able to just focus on something. And if you spend the whole episode just learning, like, you know, two or three key things about one side of it, and then introduce the element of like, oh, the ship coming from the other land, you know, in episode two, and we learn about where they're coming from, you know, and maybe yeah, learn about I, the war like, in that episode, and then you well, introduce. I don't, I don't disagree with this. I, I'm just saying, if you ignore all the bit at the start and just you know take that out where it tells you about the war, you still learn about the war through people talking about it uh, you know we learn you know i mean in this instance we'd learn okay well that you know we, we got all the refugees fleeing because of this we, we know that uh, may, we know may, I, may i compare this to firefly for a second because firefly opens know. firefly's first episode opens with a flashback of the end and this is a war specifically this is why i'm using this as an example because firefly has a war and it's you know recent yeah, history what well, like this show does i don't know if we, i don't know if we get an exact year count like since the war ended but it doesn't seem like it's been that long it's, it's you know, kind it's, of been that old because they don't look particularly younger and yeah it, 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 you know it's within the last 10 years uh so firefly opens with like the final battle of the war right and you know, and we we've been reviewing Firefly. You know, we've been going back and doing it. You know, as part of already cancelled, and uh, we we praised a lot of that first episode for being, you know, you know, the, the best of the best in terms of introducing a lot of characters and like introducing all your plot elements in a really neat way uh, that doesn't feel like it's overbearing you or, or anything like that, right? And that opening scene is an example of that where you get a lot of who, like at least two of the characters are mainly just Mal. Though. You get you get a lot of who that main character is in that that battle, and you get what this war means to him. Which is kind of the, the the main point of it, um. But you get the end of the fight, and it's not narration, it's not text. It's showing us the end of the battle, and yeah. you you get the 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 point where he realizes the decision was made by higher ups to to withdraw. It may be in this case you'd do something slightly different. We'd have like maybe the point where the 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 burg decide to withdraw because you know as we hear in that scene where jared harris like they didn't necessarily have to they made a choice to like they, they could have maybe kept fighting and possibly won uh you know at least some of them believe that so they yeah. made a choice to withdraw and i feel like if you introduce it visually and you 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 make one simple point about it you don't necessarily try and explain the entire conflict because in that opening scene in serenity you don't necessarily understand who the the alliance are you don't necessarily understand who the brown quotes are you just understand what it means to this one character so it's relevant for his arc over the course of the episode so maybe in this case you got bloom and but the problem is with bloom is they want to make it mysterious as to why you know he faked his death and you know why how he left and things like that they want mystery which which is my argument here is if you literally just cut the opening narration or script as it may be 
know, the writers, you keep that for yourselves. It's good backstory for you to know. I don't need to know it at that point. But if then you still have, you know, just bear with me a second, you, you still mm. have, uh, you know, Delavine going on the ship. You know, we, we open with her, you know, running away and flying off onto the ship. I mean, like, right, I can't do it anymore. I'm going. We still have, okay, she goes down into the hold and she has the conversation about, you know, uh, about Bloom that, oh, hey, there was a thing in the war, but he died. We get all the context we need. There was recently a war. That, you know, it affected her personally. He died. It, it, you just don't need that opening narration. I think you do in this episode because they, they have so much going on that I think you need to have a bit of a primer for it. But like I say, I don't think they should have introduced so much. You know, maybe you have been saying you start the episode one and just focus it on Bloom. Maybe you do the opposite. You start with Delavine because that introduces maybe more of the mythology. Um, and you end it with her finding out that he's alive. And you almost, you do episode two that ends at the same place. You start with Bloom on the other side of it and mm-hmm. like follow it from that side. And again, you're introducing just part of the, the thing on each side. I, I I I probably would start with Bloom just because, just because you want to ease people in. Start with something that's more familiar. It's more familiar because it's just a simple investigation. You get the racism of the world, but you don't necessarily have to get much of the mythology. Uh, because I think once you draw people in, they're they're more inherently curious about the mythology. And in episode two, if you go to Delavine's side and get the ship and all her coming and you know, and plus it would be exciting in episode two when she looks at the phone and says, "Oh, we know him. He was the guy from episode one. This is going to overlap at some point. It's going to be a big deal." Um. Yeah. And, you know, maybe she finds out at the end of the second episode that he's alive kind of thing. I just... And this is something where I know people are going to disagree with me on because some people obviously love fantasy. They love these big worlds that have all this mythology. And I love mythology and other genres. I do. I, I get it. Um, But I really think... um, just, like, And that's why this is definitely not the worst example of it. I, I don't think this is the worst of the worst when it comes to introducing too much. In, it's just in, in another episodes. example. It's another example. Um... But I, I think of sci-fi shows that I like and how they introduce the opening uh, in the opening episode, like their expansive worlds and how they make things very clear. Firefly is a fantastic example. The Expanse is another one more recently, um, yeah. which does a we really... Be fair. There are definitely sci-fi shows that suffer from similar... Oh, there is. There absolutely is. But I feel like every fantasy show I've tried <laughs> is guilty of it. Um, yeah, possibly. You know, I, I I remember like you know everyone loves Game of Thrones. I, I you know at the end of the Game of Thrones pilot, I was like, I, there's like fifty characters. I have no idea what's going on. It, it, to be fair though, I actually will defend that pilot in the sense that ninety ninety percent of it takes place in you know one area, and it's okay. We we we've got our main family, you know, the, the Starks, and it's other people coming to meet them. So you know, we actually start for the first you know half or so of the episode. We start with that family. And then we, you know, we, we get enough to know who they are, and then okay, we have their opinions on the characters coming in. So I do think that works a lot better in introducing things. I think that was just you know your taste. But better than this for sure. But I, I definitely remember feeling at the end of that first episode that I just like nothing drew me in because it didn't give me like characters to latch on to. And that maybe that is a taste thing because I just don't like Game of Thrones and pe- all people obviously love it. Um, but I, you made me forget what point I was going to make. Uh, I was born to a point. You were you you were talking about how some people might like this. They like big mythology. You like it in other things. Oh yeah, no, I was yeah. If you look at the expanse, right, it was the example I was getting to. Um, that took an event and it focused the entire first episode around a, a, an event. Um, it did have like a subplot where it introduced another character, sure. Um, and it had had two things going. It did. Um, but like for the most part, it kept it focused on one idea. And there was definitely two 
like very clear like main characters in that first episode even though like obviously that shows more of an ensemble and like introduced more stuff yeah. as we went on but and if I you think of... interestingly expanse kept that going throughout a lot of its episodes where oh no we're focused on this one thing yeah you know, which, which i think is the smarter option i think that's a better way to tell stories like this but that that show like if you think about all the characters that have become like main characters in the ensemble since that first episode they're all there for the most part in that first episode but you don't necessarily remember amos that much from that first episode you don't necessarily remember alex that much from that first episode but by the time you get halfway through the season they've spent time building them all up and it's like okay this is our main core characters now we have this this set whereas this episode and other shows are guilty of this too and that's not to say it's impossible because the other example i used was firefly which is like 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 a master class and here's how you introduce nine characters and by the end of the episode you feel like you understand all nine of them and how they all interact with each other because i, th- I think the all the way i always like to phrase it with that show is that by the end of that first episode you almost understand in your head like how any pair of those nine would like feel about each other and how they'd interact on a one-on-one scenario like you almost could pair up any two of them out of the nine and you would be able to do that after one episode which is super impressive um yeah. You know, and I think that's the other thing for me in this episode is that the characters feel a lot more two-dimensional uh, than I, I would like. Oh, definitely, yeah. In a TV show like this, um, all you know, like they all feel like they're here to just serve the exact plot that, that wants to be they're, told. Like, like in terms of our our two leads, they've kind of got one thing. You know, uh, she's going, "Oh, I'm in mourning because because I, I lost him," and he's just doing right. I'm I'm doing the investigation. Yeah, and but everything is is just that. He's like, okay, I'm the I'm the the yeah. investigator. Type. I I don't think they're interesting characters. I I think he yeah. he basically he's the good guy, but he's definitely got something to be guilty about and why he, he ran and had his death or or, or not had his death. He pretended to be dead, um, and he's emotionally unavailable. Um, we kind of get enough evidence to see see that, uh, and then. I don't know, they're just not interesting characters. Everything in this show feels tailored to to just serve the you know, the, the the plot that it wants to tell. It doesn't really feel like they're characters beyond that. And good good characters, good writing does that where you feel like they, they feel more well-rounded people. Uh, yeah. Where you can name something about them that isn't just their purpose in the plot. Uh, but this so far, I'm, I'm not getting any of that. So... Yeah. Oh, and I would say there's not enough. Annoyingly, there's not enough good fantasy TV for me to point out as examples of this. I can do it in fantasy books, but you know, I think there is a problem with it, with the adaptations. That maybe they're choosing mm. the wrong things. Maybe it's just you know poor adaptations. I don't know. I think that's the other problem for me actually with fantasy. And again, I don't really read any fantasy books, so if it's better than those, then great. But I feel like almost every fantasy thing I see, I feel like I just see the the archetypes for the characters as opposed to seeing you know unique characters I, you know i just I see okay this is this character and from you know that we typically have now, it's, it's not true in this one but in a lot of fantasy that you know there's, there's the chosen one and they're trying to save the world and um, that, that's uh that's true in a lot of bad fantasy yeah and um, i would say there's a lot more bad fantasy because it is so easy to just fall back on those tropes good fantasy maybe utilizes you know I, i've read good fantasy with a chosen one element but goes above and beyond, right? You know, with that character, where it's more than just the chosen one. Yeah, I'm um, getting like shades of other things in here. I'm getting a little bit of Penny Dreadful in there. Mm, um, yeah, I don't know what else I'd compare it to, but 
Yeah, and you know, there is, as for adults, there is swearing, there's a bit of nudity. Um, in fact, I'm pretty sure there's a couple of scenes in here that are just for weirdos who really want to imagine having sex with uh, with pixies because... It, 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 there's a couple of these scenes that go, well, but you know, we're, we're on Amazon, we do what we want. Uh-huh. They don't um, add anything, is what I'm saying. You know, there's nothing that's particularly appealing, you know, has a purpose beyond just, hey, we can get away with this. We yeah. say a lot about some HBO shows do this. Or a lot of HBO shows do that. Yeah, I think there's a cynical side of it goes, well, they, they want this to be their Game of Thrones, you know, until Lord of the Rings hits anyway. <laughs> they want it to be the Game yeah. of Thrones. So they're going to throw in some nudity and stuff, which is something they might not do in the Lord of the Rings because they want Lord of the Rings to be more traditional you know, family friendly i guess because yeah. you know not super young kids but you know they, they want you know young teens and yeah 12 year olds and whatnot to be watching it um so yeah i guess we'll give the spoiler warning and we can we can dive at the spoilers oh before i do that i'll just let you know that you can support everything we do over at patreon patreon.com slash tv you can support us for as little as one dollar per month and keep all the reviews coming uh tv content movie podcasts all that kind of thing and you get some bonuses you get some early stuff uh, so go and have a look and see if you're interested um but yeah so full spoilers for for a uh, carnival Row episode one not a whole lot to say the main thing i want to talk about is the final scene because you know the investigation uh from 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 bloom is basically he gets a description of the person they've got mutton chops they're in a uniform uh, he thinks it's like this racist cop at first, but then it turns out, no, 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 wait a minute, the timeline of every three weeks these attacks happen is when the sailors come in. They, they always go out for three weeks and come back, these specific, this group of sailors. So, it's a sailor, and he's, he knows there's a tattoo on a forearm, so, you know, he kind of just finds, he, he deliberately like, stumbles he's got into enough a guy. To, yeah. to go into to go into the bar where all the sailors are, see one with mutton chops, kind of make an excuse to, you know, see his arm. Yeah, and I didn't really think much of this chase scene. You know, he's, he's sort of chasing him up on the rooftops. It, it felt very... I liked parts of it. Um, there was a bit where once they'd separated, uh, they're, so they're on, like, separate buildings, and, mm. you know, uh, the guy's chasing goes through the building, and he has to go over, and they're on these separate bridges, and there's a bit of a nice camera movement there that I thought was all right. I think for me, it just it felt this was the the scene out of the episode that felt the most like sound stagey to me. Like I could almost feel the backdrop as opposed to. I don't disagree with that. Yeah, when, because when we're on the street in Carnival Road, they've clearly built these sets, and oh, it looks quite good. It looks you know high production value. And uh, when they're up yeah. here on the roof, they've got you know the, the the traditional sort of backdrop and on the the fake roof set, and I'm like, it just it felt a bit. I, I don't disagree with that. Yeah. No. It, it, it's, it's, uh, of course, nowadays it's green screen as opposed to an actual backdrop, but it's the same difference. Like it feels. It, it is, yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, before before this guy commits suicide for what he's done, he's want to go in. He's like, no, no, they've brought a darkness to the city. They've brought it with them. It's below our very feet, you know. And I I saw things when I was in the war, you know, things and things out in the ocean that you you wouldn't believe. But this is worse. This is beneath this. It's obviously setting up whatever the big bad this the season's going to be. Um, and we get a scene at the end where this woman is attacked, and we see just enough of this thing that comes out of the sewer that looks very Cthulhu esque and. This was the only time in the episode where I sort of sat up and went, "Oh, is this like a secret Cthulhu kind of insp- you know, Lovecraftian inspired like horror enemy that they're, they're doing for the season?" Yeah. And I'm like, "Damn, I wish I liked the rest of this show because I'd actually be interested in that." <laughs> yeah, I'm um, with you. This, I, this is actually another big part of the you know the you know, you know the, the Irish English relations. Uh, t- to me at least, anyway, this felt oh you know, t- you know they're bringing something with them, but this feels like. You know, it, or maybe it was actually already here, and they're just reawakening it. 
because uh, you know like I say it's already under the city. Um, so how does this relate okay. to England and Ireland? It, it does actually. Uh, Catholicism. Uh, in that okay. you know England started off as a, as a uh, Catholic, but then uh, you know there, there was a splinter, and we got Church of England and you know Protestants. Uh, you know, we got these you know splinter groups that became the you know the the main religion of the the country. Okay. And then after a lot of our Irish troubles, the Irish came over and brought Catholicism back in significant force. Uh, and obviously, you know, a lot of English really hated that. Um, so I thought that was may- maybe interesting there. Uh, I guess. I guess. <laughs> I'm more interested in just Cthulhu being scary and looking cool. Sure, sure. I, I that's, saw those. That's always that, fun. I saw that tentacle mouth and I went, "Ooh, um, is it enough to make me want to watch episode two? It is not, not even remotely. I, I have no interest yeah. in watching another single minute of this. Um, I don't think it's the worst thing ever, though. I, I think I want to make this clear: is that I, it's just for me, this is thoroughly mediocre. It's going through a lot of tropes. I don't particularly like the characters or the acting, and because of that, is it. But the production value is very high. I the, think the shooting style is okay. It's it's fine, yeah. I think for me, it's the acting that really ruins it. Um, especially it's confirmed where you get the scene where they're you know where they're together. She goes and finds him that, yeah. that overnight, and you know, and threatens him a little bit. And the two of them, when that's the crux of the show, is going to be these two together, and. There was nothing between them in this scene. I didn't feel any nah, sort of chemistry. No chemistry. And that's the point where I went, nope, that's it. Because this, yeah, is, this is the point of the show. Be- before before the Cthulhu-style thing at the end, the hook of this show really should be the desire for them to make up and fight side by side because that's ultimately where we're going and that's what you should yeah. be longing for as, as a viewer. And not only do I not really like either character, I have no interest in them being together. Yeah. So, um, it just it re- yeah it really left just like a, a damp taste in my mouth. Um, and and then of course, like I say, there was a whole pixie sex scene with the the you know uh, Jared Harris's son who gets kidnapped after. But is is this really prolonged sex scene where the 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 the, the pixie starts like you know flying mid sex and sort of brings them up while they're having sex and it's and this is just like because we can do it just because we want to have this visual of like her with the much. wings. Uh, and I'm like yeah okay sure. Go ahead, I suppose. I'm like, I, all I could think is that there's some weirdo out there who's really into this. Like they're they're really turned on by this this pixie sex. There is, yeah. Um, yeah, I I, I was actually surprised because the episode opens with uh, Delavine and all these other pixies running from the the pact. They're being chased out of you know where they live, and she's the only one who gets onto the boat, and then the boat gets sunk, and she's the only one who survives. Um, felt very boat. convenient, didn't it? I felt very convenient. Um, but I, I thought because we started with the pact that we were going to see more of them, and we don't. I guess they're going to save them as the big bad for later. Um, I would not be surprised if that's more season two. Very possibly. Um, it's interesting to me. It's interesting to me to to do that, and I, I get they want to do all the all the all the racism stuff, but it's interesting to me that they they set up the pact as they obviously they are the real bad guys. But then we deal with the fact that a lot of the Berg are extremely unwelcoming of, of they're everyone. They're not particularly good guys, are they? Yeah. And, you know, Jared Harris, when he's making his speech at one point, says, let's not remember, or let's not forget why uh, we have to take so many of these people in. It's because we kind of went and ruined everything uh, in their yeah. homeland. Um, so Jared Harris is supposed to be fairly likable. Uh, he'd, honestly, don't get enough with him though to really get a feel for his character in this. There's only really that one main scene where, yeah. where they're in whatever they call their parliament, um, 
nicely designed room. I quite like that, the round room. Uh, yeah, yeah, production design put a lot of effort in. It's not necessarily to my taste per se. This is the thing, like, I would much rather you take out the fantasy stuff, just make this Victorian England, have actual Jack the Ripper, and still have the Cthulhu. Like, just have it be about, you know, no, I know. The, the coming I of know dread. Um, I'm not huge on the, the Victorian aesthetic in general, uh, in, in my fantasy. That's kind of... I like, you know, okay, go further back or go further forward to it, much more modern. Uh, this is kind of that weird point where I'm not really into it, um, personally. I mean, I'm not into it either, but that's because it's fantasy. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, on on the scale of fantasy timelines, sure, you've got your you know your your ultra sword and shield, you know, kind of classic. You know, you've got your your medieval feudal bit, and you've got like okay, we go all the way forward to you know urban fantasy where we're in more or less modern day cities. Uh, of course, you can go further than that and go into you know, into a, a steampunk fantasy as well. But you know, this Victorian. I just I'm not feeling it. I never do. Yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, obviously, I was I I was never really going to like it, but um, coming out of it, I I can't say it's the worst thing ever. I can't say it's terrible, but it's just extremely extremely mediocre and nothing. You know, because the the one thing we said the 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 rich sister. Yeah, she goes off to meet the new neighbor, thinking, "Oh, you might be single and be a suitor," and is shocked and horrified to discover that he's uh, one of the horned race. And uh, you know, later on, she's like, "Oh, we couldn't get out there fast enough." Of course, what's the world coming to? Some someone like that living on our street, you know, just doing yeah. kind of the same beats. And but that, but this point, we'd really kind of we'd we'd gotten the point. By that point, like, yes, I get it. She's racist. Yeah. Um, and um, and like, that's something where that's all she has all episode and I got, you know i'm just sick of it by this point yeah they're, they're hitting the same beats over, over and over again uh and there's very little to i don't know i don't know very little to make them likable um i think the writing just isn't there and for for me the writing would have to be really good to overcome my taste but you, you combine mediocre writing with my taste and this is just a complete no sell so yeah uh, that that is Carnival Row episode one. And there wasn't a whole lot to talk about in spoilers, really. I mean, it was mainly the ending, uh, their meeting for the first time. You know, the, you know, the two main characters and uh, that that sort of little twist, I guess, with the neighbor. Because, which is why I say, you know, the uh, the Orlando Bloom stuff, I think, has a more defined uh, plot. Uh, you know, an, an ending in this episode because okay, no, he finds the guy who who he was after. He you know he catches the serial killer. Um, so whereas nothing else really felt like it had anything to it that, that kind of felt like okay that's an ending for an episode it was kind of underwhelming i feel like again because i wanted to, I, one of the reasons why i would wanted to focus on the one plot is i feel like because all these other things were taking time from it it didn't feel like there was enough in the investigation to really make it feel like a big deal when you found them oh i agree i'm not saying it's particularly amazing just more that at least it had an ending um so it, it kind of had a conclusion unlike a lot of the other arcs Although I will say I really hated um, when we see the monster at the end mm. and you get the, the guy's final speech played over it again. I'm like, oh, yeah. I, I don't need this. I got it. Context. Because I think one of the things that could be really uh, engaging about the show is the idea that a lot of the cops around them can't be trusted because they're all racist. But the way it handles it is very kind of blunt and it doesn't, like, there's not this... Almost nonchalant. Yeah, there's not this like feeling of mistrust or dread. It's just kind of like he's very confrontational with them as soon as he suspects one of them, 
and it's just i don't know it's not as entertaining or interesting as it could be um like i say i think the writing just isn't there to actually make the 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 core beats compelling and yeah i i you know this was a full hour um it was a bit of a slog to get through for me it wasn't the worst thing ever but i can't really recommend it if you're really into fantasy maybe check it out maybe you'll like it more than we do i, I think the uh the critics in general uh, i think the metacritics in, in the 50s right now so it's been so not amazing it's though. been lukewarm it's been a very lukewarm yeah. reception to it and, and i say i i am into fantasy as a rule you know not all fantasy obviously but you know significantly more than you are and uh this did very little for me um I, and I mean, specifically, I, you know, mythology. You, you, I mean, you know how much I love mythology, Pete. And and this is touching on a lot of Irish mythology beats there. And it's just not enough when, when the writing's not there. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. Uh, that is Carl Row episode one from Amazon Prime. Uh, as my cat nudges the camera um that is uh so that's been episode one let us know what you thought of it in the the comments below feel free to come back and tell us in the comments how you feel about the whole season if you do watch the rest of it uh does it get significantly better not that we're going to go back and you know finish it if it is better but it's always nice to hear that people enjoy it if even if we don't um so let us know what you thought of the first episode like and subscribe uh as we said earlier go to patreon if you want to support us that way uh, of course, you can check out other content we have. If you listen to the audio feed, of course, this is in the Almost Cancelled TV Reviews feed. Check out the Netflix feed as well for our Netflix reviews where you can find a review of Dark Crystal, of course. Um, and there's other TV shows coming up in the near future. Uh, there's like a new show from Netflix like every week next month. Uh, so Pretty much. And who knows how many of them we'll enjoy and stick with, but maybe one of them. Yeah, they're all they're all things that are kind of unknown quantities. They're all like just, oh, we'll try those and we'll see what they're like. Um, this one was like kind of a weird one because we kind of had a feeling we weren't going to like it, but um, give it a try anyway to see if it won me over. And it wasn't as painful as I thought it might be, but I didn't like it. <laughs> like, I'm not, you know, <laughs> I'm good. So... There you go. That has been us. So thank you once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep watching TV, guys. Have you got any vanilla? <laughs>